whenever you rock up to the office and it's all open up and the co- there's coffee in the machine, you think about those things, you know, like... Yeah. Or you should, because otherwise you're a dickhead. Hi, and welcome to The Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie the other person hasn't seen, and then we Skype to discuss it. My name is Ricardo Deacon. My name is Orla Benitez. And you're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. This week's film was chosen by Orla. Hell yeah. It is The Assistant from 2019. You're relatively new to the company. I mean, I've been working here for nearly two months. And you're under a lot of stress. Entry-level jobs in this industry are tough, right? Long hours? First one in, last one out. Good night. You're smart. You have to be smart. It's a tough job, but I can see that you've got what it takes. I want those new pages before I get on a plane. He promised the first thing. Where are we at? 200K in two points. Maybe you can put in a good word for you. No, he'll hire externally. Listen, his schedule has shifted to 7 p.m. work. Still at the hotel or? Yes. What? This is turkey. I said chicken. (laughs) There's a girl waiting. Oh, her. She's been here before a few times. What is it? The wife. Say he's in an important meeting. No, say he's in a screening. Where is he? What did you say? What did you say? They told me you were smart. I overreacted. It was not my place to question your decision. I will not let you down again. You know, you can always come to us, right? Jane, a recent college graduate and inspiring film producer, just landed her dream job as a junior assistant to a powerful entertainment mogul. Her days, much like any other assistant, making coffee, ordering lunch, arranging travel accommodations, or taking phone messages. But as Jane follows her daily routine, she grows increasingly aware of the abuse that insidiously insidiously colours every aspect of her workday, an accumulation of degradations against which she decides to take a stand. So why are you in here trying to throw it all away over this bullshit? Sorry? This. Whatever it is. Let's make it official and call it a complaint. Let's assume I were to do the disservice of writing it up for you. So your complaint is as follows. The company hires a new assistant. She's young and, in your opinion, she's very pretty and she's maybe a little inexperienced. Exactly. They've possibly offered her a job just like that and they're putting her up in a fancy hotel. And you live, where do you live? Astoria. Astoria? (laughs) The movie was directed by Kitty Green, produced by Kitty Green and James Shamus, Scott McCauley, P. Jennifer Dana and Ross Jacobson. Written by Kitty Green, starring Julia Garner, Matthew McFadden, Mackenzie Lee, Christine Froseth, John Orsini and Noah Robbins. Music by Tamar Kali. Cinematography by Michael Latham and edited by Kitty Green and Blair McClellan. So, Orla, why did you pick this movie? Uh, so I watched this uh, at the end of last year. 
I think, or at some point, sometime during one of the various lockdowns anyways, uh, me and John watched it and uh, I really, really liked it. Um, I was considering picking it at other times, but uh, one of the main reasons I picked it or why I was drawn to pick it now is uh, <laughs> like many times in the last few decades, uh, yet another grand figure of American life is embroiled in a sexual harassment case uh, that once thought of, but probably never actually great, Andrew Cuomo, um, the governor of New York. I don't know how much you know about the Andrew Cuomo case. Well, like, uh, I know a bit about, uh, like, I know about the cases now, but I think that uh, Andrew Cuomo has... In more ways than one, I suppose, the case of the Rudy Giuliani's, the, it, it's somebody oh, yes. that uh, <laughs> is largely disliked by people and doing a particularly bad job. And then whenever a crisis arises because the, he's the face of trying to fight against this crisis, uh, people think that mm. he's a responsible human being. And I suppose in particular with uh, both Giuliani and Cuomo, there were uh, under especially incompetent presidents that make them look better mm. than they by comparison, by comparison but, yeah. uh, now he has the other type of the case of the Rudy Giuliani's uh, the the worst case of the Rudy Giuliani's mm. um, he's also had a much swifter downfall than Rudy has Rudy's was a little bit more long-lived with his presidential he actually got to his presidential bid before the wheels completely came off but um yeah, I find the uh the Como stories fascinating because uh like for like a lot of reasons. I think the Giuliani comparison is is definitely appropriate. Um but also because it's a really like sad example of how misunderstood sexual harassment is within the workplace, wherein like what actually qualifies as sexual harassment and what creating a toxic work environment actually means and you know there's a real sense of did he really do did he really do anything that bad though where everything is graded on a scale of the Harvey Weinsteins and everything else um when it comes down to it you know if someone's good at politics or if they're good at making movies isn't it worth it you know isn't this just what we have to put up with for these you know as in like if we didn't have these environments then these like great things wouldn't get made now obviously by all kinds Andrew Como was shit at his job <laughs> it was just a multi-level uh <laughs> incompetence story but um what I love about this movie is uh it's very good at teasing out the themes of the power and the control that exist within the relationships in an office setting like this. Um, but without, we're doing it in a very quiet, unsettling way. And when you think of like, you know, oh, it's a Me Too movie, it's a Me Too film, and you're kind of like, you know, ugh, you know, <laughs> where where is this film going to go? Is it going to veer off into some sort of like left turn at any point? And I think the strength of it is that she never does. She very much has... A method and a thesis behind what the film is and sticks to it the whole way through um i don't know uh i didn't know like when i first watched this uh i didn't know much about the filmmaker i didn't know whether she'd made this before the harvey weinstein thing and it just came out and ended up being having a certain relevance or if it had been made 
directly referencing him because obviously like he's in the background of this film but um when she was writing the script she did actually spend a year interviewing uh former assistants and pas both at miramax and other uh, uh people still working in other studios that she doesn't name for obvious reasons but um so a lot of it is like very very like coming directly from the people who worked for him which I find really interesting because she talks a lot about like in interviews about using uh like lifts as in like elevators and the the dynamic within elevators as well of like the the the, like the strange environment of the conversations that happen within them and like this strange closed space obviously enclosed spaces having a certain extra terrifying resonance at the minute but uh it is funny like when you're watching this and the sort of the the lack of glamour of the office and everything and blah blah blah. but also I I love clocking all the different movie posters obviously for fake movies on the walls and how they're so clearly like indie darling movies and which is like obviously very directly a Miramax reference as well I like I watched this around the same time that I watched um on the record I've written between the lines on my notes which is obviously not the right <laughs> speaking of work workplace harassment um it's a polar opposite to uh on the record in a lot of ways uh like I, this is definitely a better film than on the record but um it's also uh different in the way that it's approach and how because they're centering specifically on this one character everything is from her perspective so everything is happening just outside of the frame a lot of the time or it's happening through phone conversations or whatever so you're seeing everything through the eyes of you know the person with the absolute least power in the office so you know nothing is ever tackled head-on be it like the abuses or the abuser uh, and the many levels of facilitation of uh, of that abuser uh, which i think is really powerful she's kind of interesting um the the filmmaker um she'd made a few documentaries before this um one of which is called casting john bonnet which is about the the murder of that uh that like young girl in the 90s but uh she rather than it being like a true crime documentary she centers it around all the people who are vying for roles in a dramatic recreation of that crime so she's like interviewing people who are uh auditioning to play the roles of real people um i haven't seen it sounds really interesting apparently it's kind of hit and miss but the the concept is really interesting um she's also uh australian and she made a documentary before that about uh ukraine i think um i think it's called ukraine is not a brothel about yeah the the movement feminist movement in ukraine i haven't seen it but i've heard of it so i think they're kind of like pussy riot i think um like similar sort of um like protest group yeah i think it's important we've talked about this before about outsiders being able to uh look at particularly america in a particular way and i i think it's probably no coincidence that she's as an outsider came in and made this film so soon after um so soon after the Weinstein thing broke um and like this is pure I don't know if we talked about this before but I was thinking about this earlier about how when we were doing on the record how they'd started by researching a Harvey Weinstein film and no one would make it they couldn't get money for it um 
I think it's kind of interesting that her coming in as like an outsider documentary maker is able to do this. Obviously, this entire film completely hangs on Julia Gardner's performance. Like the other, it's obviously there's other performances around her, but so much of this film is told through um, her face and her gestures. Um, she's pretty much in every shot of the film. And I I really love her. Um I think I first saw her in, she's in a really weird indie film called uh, We Are What We Are, which about a family of cannibals. Um, I watched that ages ago. It's like 2013 or something. It's not like a great movie, but she's so good at it. As Like she has one of those faces and she's very slight, which works as a sort of an advantage in this film as she's kind of like under the the weight of like such a crushing like you know system and this like like almost mythic figure of her boss or whatever but as a performer she's so interesting because she's in Ozark as well where she plays a very like strong aggressive character who also has a lot of vulnerability what if I can't do this it's just like literally splits only bigger you're going to come here, you're going to pay respects to Buddy a couple times a week, you're going to mix this money with the legit receipts, and then you're going to deposit it. As long as the flow stays steady, no one's going to bat an eye. This is crazy. I don't know shit about fuck. In, uh, uh, in conclusion, I really love the ending. Uh, we can talk about the ending. Um, but also, uh, I find the kind of a plot hole that she is this good at her job after only five weeks. But I think that the fact that it's five weeks is also... Uh, important because it's enough time for her to have worked out kind of what's going on but also not enough to be completely crushed by the environment as in like people wonder why how do you end up so complicit in this behavior and like it's it's the whole method of how the work is uh, thrown at you and you end up completely indoctrinated into the whole thing Anyways, uh, yeah, I watched this yesterday and I really enjoyed it and uh, I hope you did too. So, Ricardo, what did you think of The Assistant? Well, first of all, a couple of points. Uh, whenever she is sprinting, she's photocopying an image and uh, she's pressing the same button 20 times. And it's like, why didn't you just press copy 20 times? In the <laughs> amount the of copies. Yeah. It's a sign. But she's meant to be good at her job. It's not like a, a difficult thing. You just put a number. Don't scan the same thing 20 times. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That, that was the biggest plot hole in the movie. Um, on a very separate note, uh, whenever this movie came out, uh, for some reason, I got it confused with the accountant starring Ben Affleck. So when people oh, were God. talking about it, I was Is like... Is that where he plays an autistic character? Yeah, assassin and, oh, kind of no. job. And oh. uh, I think the accountant came out a couple of years before. But for, like, I don't yeah. know, just because I wasn't aware of this movie. Whenever like people started talking about the assistant, I was... A going, why are people talking about that Ben Affleck movie again? <laughs> and then like B is like, Jesus, that that movie seems to be way deeper than I like gave a credit for originally. <laughs> but yeah, overall, like uh, uh like there are things about this movie that I don't know if they work or not, but I don't know. It's like in an interesting way, rather than uh that if there is a clear um right or wrong there there are certainly mm. decisions being made 
Like, uh, for example, be the fact that the boss is largely off screen. And I thought that that works in the thesis of the movie that it's like is the idea of the system rather than the individual and how like even though it's like meant to be like a Weinstein like figure that it could be in any other producing company. It's not because it was Miramax or because it was Weinstein. Mm -hmm. It's because it's the film industry as a whole and making it vague that way, even though the guy that they cast appears only like very briefly looks a bit like Weinstein. But I think the physicality and voice, but there's no. Yeah. But at the same time, like uh, having all of that happen kind of off screen, her like clearly she would have more interaction with the with the boss than she do what is shown in the movie. And it felt a bit like Charlie Brown, you know, like. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> or what was that Cartoon Network show where you only ever saw their ankles? Uh, uh Cow and chicken, isn't it? Mama had a chicken. Mama had a cow. Dad was proud. He didn't care how. Well, you know what I mean? That it's like a bit... Because, like, there's, like, a sort of interaction with them that it, it feels a bit... I don't know. It, it, it didn't quite... Like, I really like the decision of doing it that way. But at mm. the same time, I don't know if uh, if it was calling too much attention to itself. You know, like even not yeah. having. Uh... I think um, I saw in an interview she did where originally you weren't going to hear his voice, um, but because and she was going to do it in wide shots. So you only ever saw her reaction. But she said that because Julia Gardner's face, Gardner, Gardner, is so incredible, she wanted to do them in tighter shots. So then it was weird if you couldn't hear him. But then she said that they they'd like had three people who were going to do the voice and then the the actor that they'd chosen or one of them was available so they used him and his voice was so ended up being really similar to <laughs> Harry Weinstein so she's saying like when she's in the sound booth or whatever like you know listening to the thing or he's in the sound booth and she's in the in the, the studio and she was like it was unsettling and it's like the, he's just this nice actor voice actor guy <laughs> it's like yeah but I guess you probably could have also just like redone that but or not used it or I wonder because I was going to suggest that it's the fact that you kind of he brushes past at one point you almost kind of see him like even if it was like the, go like extremely wide shot whenever she's going into the office to clean up and stuff like that just to make yeah. it less kind of oh this is a decision you know like mm. Well, like, clearly I like the movie, so I'm just going into, straight into arguments, let's say, like, discussion, <laughs> because it's a, it's an yeah, interesting it's movie rather than, it's a very interesting movie that I felt quite stressed watching it, but I don't know if it was mm. because of the sexual harassment or just the, like, work of it all, like, uh, whenever we start watching, I started watching the movie, I was, like, really worried that it'd be about her being sexual harassed against and I, because i thought it'd be far more interesting what the movie really is that it's um about being in that position and realizing what what's happening yeah. in the background but not being able to do anything being powerless on in, in a certain degree because the whole system is built to protect these people i do think it was a huge misstep in the script the only actual misstep in the script is whenever the HR go uh, goes 
I don't think you have anything to worry about. Hmm? You're not his type. Because it's clearly all of that it's, has been said already. It's already because the the scene is so brilliant the way it unfolds because it starts off and you're like the way it switches to like oh he knows exactly what she's talking about but the way it's revealed and the whole thing just falls and then just as she's leaving it's like no we don't need that though <laughs> it's like yeah, like I'm sure, I'm sure that's probably taken verbatim from a fucking HR meeting, but it didn't. I don't think it needed it. I, I think it would have been more powerful if it was the secretary outside because everybody knew what the meeting was about mm. before she left. And I think that would have been because it, it is very abrasive, but I don't think that he would say it as a HR person because it's kind of like technically putting on the record yeah exactly it's very but incriminating for everything yeah. else he's kind of like if he goes on trial and is asked to talk about this meeting he can completely deny knowing that anything was happening in the background yeah i really like him matthew mcfaden as an actor but i think uh, i don't think he is miscast per se but i think that i rather was a different actor because especially since it's just one scene, I was like just getting succession vibes. Uh, have you ever visited the uh, California Pizza Kitchen? <laughs> no, dear Lord, no. It's pretty delicious, Tom. No, no, it isn't, Greg. I mean, you might think it tastes delicious, but... They make a Cajun chicken linguine just how I like but it. But that's not how you're supposed to like it. Okay, you probably have quite uh, an undereducated palate, so let's go out. And I'll teach you and I'll show you how to be rich. Okay, it'll be fun. The thing is that he's not exactly like uh, in Hollywood terms, uh, a star. Uh, yeah. But I think particularly because he was in the Pride and Prejudice, I don't think that like succession is as... I love you most ardently. That, um, I'm fanning myself. <laughs> I think that whenever you have a movie that the, the entire cast is unknown, pretty much and then the mm -hmm. only actor that is like julia gardner is not unknown but also like for the regular punter like you'd have to watch like ozark and, yeah that's the only thing where she's really like one of the main cast everything else is quite small and then the other name character like actor that you'd be like recognized right away is patrick wilson who doesn't have a line and is playing a famous actor yeah, but like particularly since uh, because of that scene when Matthew McFadden showed up, I was like, oh no, because it like it, it broke the illusion of this. You know when you get into a movie that, and I I'm gonna have to choose my words quite carefully now when I'm talking about this, because it is <laughs> it is in a way because the movie calls attention to itself. So I think it's uh, worth pointing it out. But mm -hmm. is the Julia Garner is both beautiful, but kind of like normal looking. You know what I mean? That they didn't go, uh, they don't yeah. go for the, uh, she's just like, quote unquote, traditional Hollywood pretty. She's striking. But also she's not the, the other end of the scale that like a lesser filmmaker would go. And it's like an awkward position because also like, Oh, did I pick a character, like an actor, just because of their 
how attractive they are in a way but because mm. of what the movie is saying about the sexualization of the workplace in a way even the choice of wardrobe that she has is very interesting because it's both like transparent but unshapely so it's kind of like the even trousers. for herself yeah. trying to like uh, She's decide trying to how a... like that is like I can't be accused of like dressing sexy but I'm like you know not exactly just wearing a blouse but also it's not sexualized but at the same it's time still, it's such it's a still male pink and feminine and it's a soft fabric it's like her hair is up but she you know like she has a little mascara on but it's not it's like there's so many dynamics at play in every decision that like she makes and the filmmakers make as well which is really interesting because you know for a film where not that much is actually said out loud it's it's so fun particularly the second time you watch it it's like look at all those little details the attention to detail is absolutely incredible and i think that the decision making to like it's very difficult to make a movie that nothing really happens and everything is implied um mm. it's a very new york movie in a strange way even though everything yeah. happens in an office it's like it actually has a quite a, a great sense of place you know it does yeah uh, like from in the very small beginning ways you know just even from her like going over the bridge and like in her uber or whatever at the start and like th that's it's the kind of movie that would never get an award for production design but totally deserves it because there's so many small things even like when she's bringing in the bag of the takeout at lunch and it's the 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 amount of like little details that are the character the fact that the guys in the office use the coat hanger to hang their coats and she puts her jacket in like mm -hmm. a fucking drawer on her <laughs> like i don't know why but like it, it adds like personality in a way that is different it's like protection for her or something it's such as like a small you know it's like close to her it's not like over there or like or something i, I don't know or that she because then later when she's in the and she's in the HR interview thing. Um, she wants to keep her coat on and her scarf on because it's like, you know, she's like, <laughs> there's like so many things you could read into that. It's like she doesn't want to be walking around in her little top, maybe around the office or she wants to hide or it's a way of like protecting herself. It's like all these things. Like, ah, what did you think of the ending? I really liked it. Like the, like I liked uh, that it's ambiguous that you don't know what's going to be her approach like that you can read into like i reckon that she stays on the job and keeps quiet and just stress yeah. out to fuck until like you start having fucking PTSD because of this because it's it's in reality the most difficult thing to do is to affect change whenever is that difficult and even like talking to alex about it uh, alex was like why would you want to be a producer in an environment like this and then to change it Exactly, that it's, thinks. <laughs> is that there's always like uh, one person like in the fucking war movies that jumps on top of the fucking barbed wire so, and then somebody runs behind and just steps on that person to jump over it, you know, like uh, mm -hmm. there's always the pioneers that like crack the door open just a little bit in so you can kick it in, you know, it, like 
Spike Lee as a director didn't come out of nowhere as a black director, mm. but like he because you have like all these black exploitation movies from the seventies, you have like people moving the ball like slowly forward, even like Sidney Poitier introducing black characters that are not just the black character to picture houses and stuff like that. That it must not be easy to be that person, you know. And then you often end up unthanked in history as well of like, you know, unless in situations like someone like Spike Lee, who is 100% going to turn around and say like, you know, I don't, I didn't make it here on my own and he will point out all the things behind him. But sometimes people don't do that. (laughs) This movie shows also why there's so few female directors and female producers because mm. you have to to the moment that you actually have power that people won't abuse you you, you have, have nothing yeah like and it can be taken from you at any point like you can understand why from her perspective why she knows that if she wants to get to the point she wants to get to this is this is just the only way you know and like everyone's telling her this but she knows it especially cuz you could imagine someone like her being more like say even someone like, say, a Reese Witherspoon or whatever, where, you know, she did her time and whatever. But now, like, she has a production company where she's able to put her money and clout and respect behind, like, women-led, uh, like, you know, independent features or whatever. Like, was she, but, you know, she had to do all the things to get there. Like, I think that the, uh, the, the like, just on big topic discussion before we go to, like, favorite things and stuff like that. I think that the the only like it's not exactly glossed over, but for one of the like that I remember, there's not a person of color in it. Hmm. Uh, True. And I think that like it can be a comment, but also like consider there's like shots of like floor staff and stuff like that. That is, you know, because it should be mostly white, but it's kind of like. It's the same as not having that many female characters, but they hmm. four. So there's the new assistant. There's Five then. One of, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that there's also like a missed opportunity to discuss also like in the bigger picture kind of situation that I think in a way that the like the world is sexist. So sexual harassment, unfortunately, is prevalent in the individual, let's say. Uh, and in the individual level but i think in particular with the film industry is that it's a a situation of complete power imbalance not only with women that is with everybody kind of thing but also because that is the case it just uh makes the situation with uh with misogyny uh sexual harassment more prominent because there's less chances or repercussions but that's like related to like a a bigger power. And I think it would have been interesting not to just like to racism is also prevalent in the film industry in large degree. But even like a comment on power in general is that there's no moment in the movie that the boss meets a so-called equal and destroys him. The idea of the power that he had in particular, like specifically him, but also other power is that is how 
people react to those people because then you know that if you speak up or you do anything it's not only that you ruin your career within this company is that you can't move into the next company because this guy is like a One bigger fish and yeah. yeah and i think that it misses the opportunity of like not make be, because the movie is making the argument that it's not just Miramax because it's like making it into a generic production company, etc. But I think it misses the point of since that it's very similar to the situation of Miramax, considered that it's also like the base is in New York, the guy is very much like his behavior is very Weinstein like, you know, even the way that he uses the positive reinforcement to keep mm. underlings under his uh, I'm going to make you great so like I think that it's a missed opportunity to also show that you can't go anywhere else afterwards because you're terrified that it's like it's it's not just this place you know it's a small business in <clears> the <throat> and you come out <clears throat> exactly and also I think that the movie considering that it's like 97 minutes it has the time to like spend 10 minutes more on those things and like the pacing is yeah. strong enough to like I said like the the movie should be mainly about the sexual harassment kind of aspect but I think that not also presenting these other things on top of it because it shows because yeah. it, like if you like in this movie it's like not to say that it's like an easy fix, but it's like, oh, if you fix sexual harassment, Hollywood is fixed kind of thing, you know? Like the, <laughs> yeah. Of course, it is so realistic. Yeah, and I feel like she would have been able to do, like, not like stuff the film full of everything, but that because she's able to like bring in so many elements very subtly, I feel like she could have done that with particularly the race thing oh, in just like these small you know, just little nods to things that everything else gets. Like, I think that maybe the the postman might have been the person of color, maybe Hispanic. Yeah, because I remember that it's uh, it's like a wide shot and it's like one moment, kind of like the driver as well, where he seems nice and you're like, oh, (laughs) she has this one tiny pleasant moment with this person you know <laughs> just like a pleasant human exchange and it seems like gives like some sort of relief or something kind of like when she has the conversation with the driver as well and how like she snaps at him and then she's like a really sorry and you know that like she's probably on the phone to him like several times a day so she has this sort of relationship with them you know it's like and also considering that he's probably the one that knows the most about what the mm, guy is doing so yeah. it's kind of like this yeah yeah, like, but in general, like, I did really like the movie and it's very nitpicky, What like, every criticism they gave the movie, but more than anything, it's just, like, a movie that welcomes conversation and I suppose mm. that it's... Uh, and as a man, I suppose I understand why some people be triggered, like, some men would be triggered with the movie, but I think that they missed the point that it's not about hashtag not all men or whatever, that it's more like... Yeah. that even if you're not kind of like part of it yourself even if you're, you're the nice part of it, the yeah. nice guy in the office with her you know like there's that really asshole guy on the guy who's slightly nicer and it's like you know in his head he thinks that he's like nice to her so he's like not part of the problem <laughs> but like, like 
I think that it's again like one of those things of like casting that this so-called like nicer guy like mm-hmm. I think he's a bigger dick because he's just like nicer about it but the other guy does yeah. exactly the, the, they both do exactly he's the same he's very upfront but the other guy is like you know where you stand with him kind of thing that is like one of those things that is like oh yeah typical Hollywood uh, not Hollywood but you know like filmmaker shorthand that if the guy has his foot on the table. He's just a dickhead <laughs> kind of thing. He's either unless cool you're Ben Bradley, unless you're Ben. Yeah, Bradley. like you're either cool <laughs> or a dickhead. There's no in between kind of thing, you know. Uh, what was your favorite thing? Um, I think it is the script more than anything because the like I said, it's a movie that uh, threads the needle very well into, you know, it's a like especially when you're like writing it. And then you had to shoot it and you don't know, mm. you might know in your head how it's going to look and stuff, but you don't know, are people fucking going to get it when everything is uh, just implied? And it's like, how much yeah. do you push certain things? How much do you hold back? I imagine that there's a lot in the cutting room floor that they shot just mm. in case. The Like, I doubt that even in an indie movie, they'd risk to just shoot what is in this movie because you could be in the editing suite and go like i don't know what's going on uh Mm. because it's too implied but i think uh, the accumulation of everything in the movie creates a a very uh oppressive uh tone and like it feels like a horror movie in certain ways which I quite appreciate it. Obviously, like, there are uh, other uh, notable mentions, like the direction, the production design, the costumes, the performances, the editing, that it's really hard to pace a movie like this, the audio. Mm. But I think that everything in this film in particular comes from the writing because he's able to... Like, it's hard to make a movie that is, like, as like messagey as this movie is without feeling messagey that it's like it works in like an individual level and everything like flows that it makes sense from a to b to c that it doesn't feel uh, with the sole exception of that line that we mentioned there's no moment that you feel the guiding hand of the director going like see this is what i'm talking about you know like uh, what about yourself probably julia gardner's performance um it's funny like when you're saying about how she's she's not she's not like traditionally hollywood she doesn't have a traditional hollywood face like she's very beautiful and very striking but it make it gives such a powerful juxtaposition between her and like the like model level people in the in the waiting room you know what i mean we're like there's a girl in the waiting room at one point who doesn't quite look human because she's so attractive <laughs> it's like but she's like you know she's she's like 5'11 she you know she's got the hair and she's got her like her uh her um her headshots and everything and she's there with her little bag and she walks in and it's like you know the everything about her is so different to what that character is and it's not just like you know like julia carter's physique or whatever it's just that it's the way she is in that role as well is that like she she she's she's made even smaller than she is like even when she's like 
you know, around the office, just like doing such mundane things. But like, she like the the, the way she does it, like I, I feel it's hard to convey to people sometimes how hard it is to convey mundane tasks in such a methodical way to make them interesting and it's you know it's editing it's shot composition it's everything but it's also the performance of a person being able to do things that seems natural but is actually quite studied you know even like how when she picks up the donut and she has it in her mouth and she's like clearing everything off and like that one moment where she's there with the like the thing in her mouth and the guys come in and she's just kind of and she's like trying to get past them and they don't move and i was just staring at the screen like move you fucking dig it <laughs> Ah! <laughs> and I think that, uh, that that adds a, a huge amount of uh, empathy towards the character, like in a way that yeah. uh, because it is like not everyone, unfortunately, too many people, but thankfully not everyone has gone through like either being in an environment where sexual harassment and rape, uh, not to like, not to dance around what was actually happening it was not sexual mm. harassment only it was another step it was systemic rape and and abuse that uh was happening in Miramax at the time but thankfully like i said uh, not everyone has been in that kind of environment so planting mm. the work life especially in the beginning that it's very you can understand even if you've never been the first person in your job place mm. you can position yourself there because you whenever you rock up to the office and it's all open up and the co there's coffee in the machine you think about those Someone's things done you know, that. Like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> or you should because otherwise you're a dickhead yeah uh, there's oh god there's the even like the but she's just like turning on light switches you know, it's like, a, like even like the the so shit turns on computer screens and stuff and i'm like fuck yeah. off come on like no matter who you are you you mm -hmm. oh yeah you're gonna lose like five seconds turning on your own <laughs> computer screen go fuck yourself <laughs> like don't get somebody else to do it for you you bourgeoisie prick like oh god uh <laughs> so yeah julia gardner i love her i love her so much anyone who hasn't seen ozark i would highly recommend it for like you know it's a great show but she's also fantastic in it and i love her and i can't wait for her to become an even bigger star um what was your least favorite thing um i think the way that it made me feel but like uh, <laughs> uh yeah like it's like movies like this, I suppose, like now more than any other period in my life, but I suppose that it's like it doesn't make it stop in the journey, let's say. That makes me realize like little things that I missed when I was younger or like partook without realizing, you know, like, in, mm. like I think. Like I have a lot of regrets, let's say, of moments that now I think that I were either terrible that I seen like people do in general and I didn't say anything about it like both from like homophobia sexism fucking racism or just plain old bullying you know not, not without anything else underneath it you know and mm. that also like being in those environments sometimes you you cross a line yourself that you wouldn't otherwise and you don't realize until like much later that 
you were yeah. part of it and you didn't just realize like maybe and you felt that you were better because you didn't push it as far as everybody else was pushing it you know but you still mm. didn't stop it you know like the you know like you watch these movies and you're like uh if i could go back in time but i suppose that's like with most people well i hope with most people that you're like fucking able to like mature and see things from different perspectives uh hopefully learn from your mistakes but what what about you like uh, what's your least favorite thing um (laughs) what's sad about this movie is like the whole way through it like it kind of was it's the it's an opposite feeling to say some watching something like collective which is just so like oh my god oh my god oh my god because like you know i didn't know about it whereas this is like this is a really good way of exploring all those jody Cantor and ronan farrow uh, articles i read you know it's like <laughs> it's nothing in this was like surprising to me and also seeing certain people's responses to it where they're like like people who are like shouldn't even really try to stop it or like you know like it's just like wah wah snowflakes or whatever you know it's like none of that's really surprising so it's 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 it still makes me feel sort of ill but uh i think probably it's the it's the moment where the the line we were talking about in the in the hr office where uh he's like don't worry you're not his type because it does kind of undermine everything before it in that scene like just thinking about it i don't even think that is the line i think that it's the movie moment the 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 way that she has to pause and turn (laughs) for him to deliver the line if she was just sitting if, if she had just been sitting there I, you know, and uh, he said it, you'd probably be away. Like, I still wouldn't have liked it, but you'd probably get away with it. But it's because it calls it, like, it's this movie. You, you almost, like, expect, like, the music to go, Freeze like, frame. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> or, like, a zoom in or, like, some Sally shot or I don't know. But it's, like, yeah. it's very movie-like, you know. Like, well, like, <laughs> if it was just thrown out there, like, as nothing it's used as a punctuation rather than a sentence and i think that if it was used as a sentence it would have worked better agreed yeah so that was uh that was the assistant um so uh ricardo uh where can they find us they can find us on facebook the recommendation game on twitter at the rec game on gmail the recommendation game at gmail.com on dublin digital radio every second monday 11 to 12 and on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud and your podcaster of choice, Spotify, blah, 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 blah. Next week's film is Ricardo's choice. It is, yes. What are you picking? The Philadelphia story. Well, until then, I was Arda McNeilis. And I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week. 